Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. This is Ava, and today I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about my recent experiences as a parent. So normally I have a pretty clear idea about the content of the podcast episodes. I have an idea and I reflect on it and journal and, you know, go for a walk and ideas formulate and I, and I have a pretty clear idea about what I'm going to talk about. But today's episode, there's just so much, so many layers to the current experiences and there's so many hidden gems and so many teachings so many challenges and so much nuance to, you know, everyone's individual experience and my particular context and my experience. So I haven't quite been able to formulate a really clear idea. So I'm going to just share openly. And I think also because I'm still right in the middle of the experiences that I want to share about, they haven't come to a conclusion and a resolution. So there's no really clear kind of like looking back on it and here's the teaching, but more, I just want to share spontaneously and openly, and it might be a lot of information and more like story and you can, you know, derive from it what feels relevant and interesting and also important for your experience. So, you know, as I look over parenthood over the last 13 months, there's been many challenging experiences and I feel like I've had the most challenging experiences were more towards the beginning where I didn't feel supported by my partner, even though they were fully committed. And I felt out of my depth, overwhelmed. I didn't, I didn't know how I wanted to show up as a parent. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know how to do it, you know, what approach I wanted to take. So that was, that was really hard for me to be in that kind of headspace, but also to be in a really intense time of, of having a newborn and things are changing. They're just like a wild card. I hadn't really been exposed to any babies. I think I'd held like one or two babies in my life before. So it was really new and, and quite overwhelming. In the past month or so, I have felt really strong emotions. I've felt and experienced challenge, but it hasn't been painful. I haven't suffered the way that I did in those earlier experiences. I've felt, you know, really clear about what it means to be a parent, you know, what it means to be a parent to me, you know, what my values are as a parent. And I also feel really in partnership with my partner and not necessarily feeling the support that I need, but I feel supported. I feel in partnership and I feel like maybe not supported is the right word, but I feel like if I can reflect clearly enough and understand my needs clearly enough and communicate them clearly enough, I will absolutely be supported. So I haven't suffered, but it has been challenging. I've been through quite an intense journey over the past month. I wrote in our monthly newsletter, which came out at the beginning of February, about some of the intense emotions, disappointment, feeling kind of like trapped and uninterested in my role as a mother to Jasmine, at the same time as having quite a beautiful month and a lot of fulfilling experiences, some family time and going to the beach where we live right now for the first time in 
almost 20 years, I haven't lived close to the beach. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment to come into this summer period to have the limitations of having a young child and then also not be close to the beach. It's harder to kind of get there and have those beautiful experiences that I'm very used to, you know, having almost every day in summer. And I spoke in the newsletter about how in my particular circumstances as a parent, I have actually a lot of choice. So the dynamic that I'm in is that I am the working parent and my partner is the stay-at-home parent. However, I work from home, so we're both stay-at-home parents. You know, we have a lot of choice in how we want to structure our day-to-day lives, how we want to structure our dynamic, how we want to structure our home lives. Like, we have a lot of freedom to decide what we want to try. We don't have a lot of freedom in general in terms of, like, we are limited from needing to care for a young child And I spoke in the newsletter just briefly about something that my partner and I spoke about and something I contemplate a lot. I I contemplate a lot the nuances of the notion of privilege um, and how there's so many different types of privilege. For me, it's like what sums up privilege is having more choices in how you can navigate your experience and navigate the different challenges. So having resources and choices. And when you have choice, so in my experience, having so much choice in how I want to set up my experience and navigate the challenges and move towards my preferences and answer my needs as a person and as a parent and as a partner. There's a different kind of suffering that we can experience that is, you know, first of all, just the dissatisfaction that comes from having those choices taken away. So when you are not having as much choices, when you're in more hardship, and we've experienced this in our own lives in different phases, having more choices and having more hardship. When you're in more hardship and you're in the struggle of it, there's not that much choice. You don't experience the dissatisfaction of having your choices taken away. You just experience the hardship of not having your preferences and needs met. But there's not that sense of, you know, I'm feeling like my freedom is taken away. It's more just that I feel the hardship. I feel drained from the experience. When you have a lot of choice and when you have a lot of freedom you experience you're you're likely to experience a different kind of suffering which is the suffering of being conflicted about which choice to make to get your needs met how to put the right boundaries in place you know what decision to make how to ask for what you need so you have more freedom and choice but it can be hard to navigate that process as well And although the experience, inside the experience, the suffering might even feel the same, the quality of the suffering is different. And I can tell you that one of the most painful experiences in my whole life is the feeling that I choose something, but also I don't choose something. You know, being in a challenge and choosing it because I'm not choosing to change it. I'm not choosing to take an action because maybe the action to change it is really challenging, really hard. But the experience itself is also challenging. So I'm choosing it, but internally I'm not choosing it. I'm resisting it. I'm wishing against it. Felt that in relationship. I felt that in work where you 
you know, it's both choices are challenging and you're choosing one because you're scared of the uncertainty and the bigger challenge of the other. And in the newsletter, I spoke about how I am not interested in taking care of Jasmine as like a daily task. <laughs> I'm happy to do it for like little spurts during the day. And actually this this is probably what I want to speak about in the episode is because I've had a, a big journey with this conflict internally. I've always known that I don't really like kids. I've never wanted to have children. I promised and swore to myself I would never have kids. I'm not interested in it. I don't want to raise kids. I don't really like them. I'm really interested in adults. I'm really interested in my career or whatever you want to call it, my purpose, my passion, my work. I really, really like my work. Work is what fulfills me. Work is what regulates me. Work is what satisfies me and stimulates me. It's what gives me a feeling of connection and fulfillment. And I've always known I would not get that from having a child. And when I met Jared 11 years ago, he was kind of the opposite. His greatest fulfillment, his greatest interest, his greatest source of connection was children and was going to be his own children. And we kind of always bounce back and forth like, oh, okay, like wouldn't be the end of the world if I had a kid. It wouldn't be the end of the world if he didn't have a kid. And we kind of accepted that we really liked our relationship and whatever happened with kids in the future would be fine. And as my biological clock continued to tick, I started to think, you know, it could be nice to have an experience of a child. So I kind of came around like, it could be nice, but I still don't want it because I definitely don't want it more than I want my work. And Jared had always said, well, I want to be the stay-at-home parent. It'll be perfect. You can work and I'll stay at home. But I never really believed him because who the hell would want to do that? You know, in my mind, right? Unconsciously, I'm like, that's not real. I don't trust that because no one would want to stay at home with a kid. And as time went on, it started to become more and more clear to me that Jared really doesn't like organized work. He doesn't like working for someone else. He is not interested in going to a job. He's not interested in starting a job. He doesn't want to do that kind of work. Now, Jared is highly productive. And in the same way as me, we both really get our regulation and satisfaction from being productive, but he doesn't want a job. And it started to become more and more clear that he really, really wants to stay at home on a property, maintain the property and look after his children. You know, it became more and more obvious. And as that became obvious to me, it started to become more plausible for me to actually have a child, but probably only with Jared, because if I was to ever have a child, I would need to find someone who wants to stay at home and raise them because I'm not interested in it. So that's always been our arrangement. It's always been our understanding. As soon as, as soon as I went into labor, Jared stopped working at Community Brew and he's still a part of that business and he still is, loves the team there and helps them out and spends maybe two days up in Perth each month at Community Brew supporting. We'll be there supporting on the phone, like his best friend, his brother work there. So he's definitely still a big part of it but he doesn't work there anymore. You know, he's not on the roster. He's there more like a consultant because of all of his incredible knowledge that he has about the business and his elements, which was the kind of the mechanical engineering side. 
So the arrangement is as promised and it's taken a lot of time now for us to kind of get into the groove. You know, I always knew that I would absolutely be the primary caregiver for the first year of Jasmine's life because I'm the mother and I've got the breasts and the body that is biologically connected to her in a very important way. But I also knew that in that first year, I would also want as the other primary caregiver there to be Jared because I still wanted to not be the the main person, even though I knew I would have to surrender myself, my time, my energy, my sleep in that first year. So we've kind of found a groove, but now we've made this choice that we love our land so much here down in Nana, but such a beautiful, beautiful spot. There's something really special about it. And we've decided that we want to build on the land. So now I've made this choice or we've made this choice together that now we actually want to put Jared back into work. And unfortunately we have Jasmine though. So now we've started to like negotiate and we've gone back to kind of like 50-50 care of Jasmine where one person's caring for Jasmine, you know, you're caring for her every other day. And in the last month, although I have really loved that arrangement because it means that for 24 hours, I'm completely off the hook of caring for Jasmine. It's not necessarily a work day. Like I can work, but I can also just do whatever the hell I want. It's time for me and it's time for work, but it's just time where I'm not in the role of being the carer for Jasmine, which is quite demanding. She's running around. You have to play with her, stimulate her, watch her, keep her safe, feed her, change her, wrestle with her. So I'm just off that hook for 24 hours and I can kind of manage my day the way that I want. But something has felt really challenging. I've just feel that internal conflict or I have felt that conflict like I've chosen this that I want Jared to come back into work on the property, but I also don't choose this. I do not want to babysit a baby. That time is just for me so ineffective. It's so limited because it's a baby you're literally just babysitting this toddler and that's what it feels like for me and I think for some parents they feel really drawn to that you know like like Jared like Jared's a great example of that mother figure that just wants to be with the kid and wants to read books and then you know changing up activities every three minutes because it's like what's the next thing and what's the next thing and I think in general, dads have this higher capacity for play and mothers have a higher capacity for dealing with emotions and holding space for emotional challenges and and things like that. I, I, I have found that dynamic more, which Jared and I actually do fall into that kind of dynamic and role. So yeah, he's he's great with that and he loves that, but I'm just not interested in it. And I felt challenged by that and I expressed that in our recent newsletter. Maybe we can link the we can link that so you can have a read of that challenge I was experiencing. And then just last week I started to go even lower and lower in my capacity to do this kind of babysitting role. And eventually I just hit zero capacity and I felt emotionally incapable of looking after Jasmine. Like I was just so not interested. And I shared recently on my social media that I had left for three days. I went up to Fremantle to do some work. So I was away for two nights and three days and I just bawled on my way up, leaving her at home for three days. And then on the way home, I dreaded going home to Jasmine And I was just feeling so emotional and so chaotic. 
And then the next day I got my period and that kind of revealed that why my emotions were so exaggerated because it was quite wild. And I just felt so defeated. Like I do not want to take care of Jasmine. Zero. I'm not interested in it. And I feel like other parents and mothers can experience this at times where they're just like, I don't want to do this at all. I'm not interested. I'm not sure if they felt it to that actual zero degree that I did. Like, I don't want her anywhere near me. I don't want to step back into the role. But, you know, for me, at least I had Jared there, which is so fortunate to kind of take that space. And although my emotions were really exaggerated from going into my menstrual cycle, it was clear that it doesn't undermine them. Like those are actually valid emotions that I'm having. And what kind of came up for me was that it's not that I don't want to babysit or play with Jasmine. Actually, what I'm feeling very resentful for and very like dissatisfied with and don't want anymore is the breastfeeding during the day that is actually this kind of act of like unsettling with Jasmine. So she has this habit, she's cultivated a habit that when she's bored or when she's feeling just a little bit like just a kind of little inkling of being unsettled, just the tiniest bit, she'll come and start clawing at my shirt for boobies <laughs> or babuas, is as she calls them. And I am just so over that. So we weaned breastfeeding during the night and during the day that still happens. And I just realized that I'm absolutely over that, that that's not serving her. It really winds her up. It, it starts to agitate her when she starts to kind of get that idea of boobies, you can very easily move her on to the next activity through like moving around. But if it's me that's kind of distracting her from it, she'll get, you know, she'll come back and ask for them again. So I kind of realized that what I actually need to do is wean her off of daytime breastfeeding. And I've contemplated a lot over the last 24 hours. And I feel like there is a little bit of milk there, actually, you know, because when I was away, I, I pumped once a day and was like, okay, there's about, there's about 60 to 100 mils of breast milk per day. And I do believe that would still be part of an optimal diet for her because I have that available. And so I think I'll, what I'm planning to do is actually just to reduce to like one or two feeds a day, maybe first thing in the morning or last thing at night but to wean her off the daytime feeds, which have, after a deeper kind of contemplation and with the really big exaggeration of emotions that have made me kind of look at this and say, I can't do it anymore, I've realized, oh, this is what it is. And this is what is causing me suffering. This is what I'm unhappy with. This is what I want to change and there's so many layers of our experience that prevent us from sensing what it is that we need and what it is that we wish we could change. You know, in, in my situation with this particular circumstance, I'm worried that Jared will judge me. Can I even do that? Is Jasmine even able to um, manage something like that? Is that going to be good for her? There's so many pieces there that are preventing me from sensing what is it that I really need and want. And when I think about my life without and, and hanging out with Jasmine without 
feeling the anxiousness that she's going to come after me <laughs> and, you know, come after me for the boobs and the breastfeeding. It's not a beautiful experience. She's bicycle kicking me and aggressively feeling me up on the other breast. I'm scared of being bitten. Like I'm very anxious about the next, you know, she's going to come at it again. And also a part of me knows it's not good for her. It's not serving her. It's winding her up. It's perpetuating a cycle of agitation from this kind of habit that is being cultivated and now being reinforced every time we do it. So I'm feeling really anxious about it. It's adding a layer of distaste to the whole babysitting situation, which is a role I can accept. Like I love Jess, but she's actually super fun and really funny. And I love playing with her. Maybe I don't want to play with her all the time, but I can do that. I can make that choice. But there was this other problem that was really, really disturbing me. And I didn't even know that this was what it was because our needs and, you know, my needs and preferences can be so hidden under the surface. And I just want to share briefly about this idea of boundaries. Like boundaries are so, so important and they are so complicated. Boundaries are like this big, scary monster because we don't even want to, like unconsciously, we prevent ourselves from knowing what our preferences and our needs are because we're so scared that we'll have to communicate them, that we'll have to force people into things, that we'll have to face the consequences of this transformation. We have to take responsibility of the uncertainty of the changes we're trying to enforce when we want to create a boundary, right? When we're wanting to create a boundary, it's we're taking an active step in creating a transformation or a change in the circumstance. We have to face the responsibility of that. We're scared of being too demanding. We're scared of breaking the connection with others. There's so much risk involved with creating a boundary. So it's very complicated. And boundaries are, what is a boundary? A boundary is about protecting your preferences and your needs so that you can be as gentle and as accommodating as possible. So we, we are just unconsciously compelled to be as gentle and accommodating as possible. I mean, I'm not talking about all of us at all times, but in general, even the most asshole humans have this kind of tendency, right? We, we don't want to make others uncomfortable and disturb others and disturb the peace and risk the break in connection and face the responsibility and all of these things, right? And we have different levels of agreeableness as a personality trait. So agreeableness is the, you know, the tendency to fear disagreeing with other people. And let me tell you that I rank in this personality quality as highly, highly disagreeable. If there were a hundred people in the room, I would be more disagreeable than 98 of them. 
So I rank as a very disagreeable person. You can tell from the nature of the podcast, I'm willing to speak my mind and criticize an industry, which includes a lot of my students, colleagues, friends, family. I'm willing to make those critical points. I'm willing to be really discerning and communicate them, even in an aggressive way. But over as I've matured, I've learned to communicate in better ways and to communicate in more skillful ways. So I'm not just being disagreeable and being an asshole for no reason. So women tend to be more agreeable in general. Men tend to be more disagreeable. They have a higher tolerance for conflict and for aggressiveness. But yeah, there's me and my masculine qualities and traits where I tend to be, I I am highly disagreeable. And yet I still have this quality, a human quality of unconsciously being gentle and accommodating in the face of preferences and needs So boundaries are about protecting your preferences and needs. There's steps to this. The first step is to be able to reflect self-reflection, self-awareness, contemplation, being able to move inward below the surface of your experience to actually detect what is it that's upsetting me? What do I really need? What's my preference? What's going on inside of me? It is a little bit of a skill, But the skill part is really just the capacity to focus. You have to bring yourself back. Your mind goes to lunch or your mind goes to something else. Your mind is wandering and you just bring it back. Okay, what am I feeling? You know, people think, oh, it's such a hard skill. It's not that hard. The biggest skill is actually more the habit of remembering to do this. So first we need to reflect. Then we need to strategize, you know, how will I get this need met? Who will I speak to? What can I do? What do I need to ask for? What could I try before I have to include anyone else? You know, what are different ways I could approach it? What are different ways of getting that need met? Is this preference really important? Why do I even want that preference met? So there's the more strategic and contemplative component to it. And then there's the actual requests and communication. So all of these require a study. Like this podcast is really perfect for this because, you know, the highest value that I have for myself and for functional spirituality is to move from the surface of reactivity and unconscious compulsion and reactivity and conditioning to the deeper layers of what is really meaningful for me in this moment, what's actually going on for my very complex human system in this moment, in this dynamic, in this circumstance. So our value is to move from the surface into those deeper layers in order to make more functional choices and relationships and dynamics. So this is, you know, the point of this podcast, really. So this podcast is a great example. There's a lot of really great examples of communication podcasts and ways to study about how to be strategic and skillful in making requests and communicating your needs. And the more you can do that, the more you can protect your preferences and needs, the more you can be gentle genuinely gentle and accommodating to other people when you have more capacity you're being gentle and accommodating from a compassionate place not from an insecure and reactive place not because you're scared of being too demanding or you're scared of the responsibility of making change and um, the uncertainty of asking for these requests and because you're scared of you know other people resenting you or rejecting you that's not the place you want to be gentle and accommodating from. You want to be gentle and accommodating to feel like, 
I am supported. I am whole. My preferences are being met. My needs have been considered here. And I feel open-hearted and compassionate and gentleness and accommodation is pouring from my being effortlessly and with joy. So it doesn't mean like protecting your preferences and needs. That's what boundaries are supposed to be doing. You know, my preferences and needs are not going to be 100% met. I've got other people in my dynamic to consider. One of them is, is it dependent, right? So they're dependent on my energy and my resources, but I can still be strategic about how I get my preferences and needs met. And that's what boundaries are about. And I believe just the last episode or the second last episode was about the difference between rigid and healthy boundaries. So there's a lot to say about this. It's a huge part of the functional spirituality practices. It's the second part of the three-part method about cultivating. So cultivating is the part of our spiritual practice that is about looking at how to create optimal circumstances for ourselves. It's not necessarily directly related to healing and the suffering and resolving those conditions inside of us. It's more about what are the optimal circumstances and skills and elements of my experience that I'm most interested in that I want to cultivate. And boundaries is a huge part of that. So it's a huge part of our therapeutic embodiment training as well. A whole section is dedicated to how to reflect, how to align, which is about boundaries and how to communicate them as well through things like nonviolent communication. And so it's a really big topic. Thanks for listening to the story element. Hopefully that was helpful to kind of provide some context. And I hope you got a lot out of the um, boundaries portion as well because the most important work you will do in your life like cultivating is so so important it affects every aspect of your life because every aspect has some element of relationship in it and that's where boundaries really come into place so i hope you've enjoyed thanks for listening let me know what you think about the episode and you'll hear from me very soon thank you for tuning in to the functional spirituality podcast if you enjoyed the show make sure you subscribe by pressing the plus button on iTunes or the following button on Spotify. This is going to ensure that this resource is available and top of mind when you most need it. So please subscribe now.